Hey, this is Ted from Death Angel, and you're listening to Signal to Noise. This is Paul Hansen, and you are listening to Signal to Noise. This is Ezra Furman. You're listening to Signal to Noise. You are listening to a presentation of the Cast Iron Ring Network. For more great content like this, head to castironring.com. Your number one source for the best music podcasts on the net. Right, hello and welcome to episode 16 of the Signal to Noise podcast. I think I've got like three weeks in a row here almost now podcast, so I'm pretty excited about that. Um, tonight's episode, we have a nice interview uh, with Ezra Furman. He's a recording artist for Bar None Records. He'll be through the Pittsburgh area, I think sometime in July. I know we talk about that in the interview. And, um, well, before we get started here, let's talk about some other happenings. All right, so the Cast Iron Ring. I'm part of the Cast Iron Ring. You heard our promo at the top of the show. Always tons of stuff going on there. Uh, Last episode, I addressed the fact that, um, well, Rock called me out and, you know... Uh, just kind of poking fun and having having some fun there, and definitely rightly so. Um, although, I didn't say last week, and I meant to, and the best part about my next statement is the person I'm going to talk about is not going to know until Rock tells him, because Snowy also called me out on that episode. And I think it's hysterical, because Snowy, I don't think he's responded to an email I've sent him in possibly three years. Possibly. Um, you know, and there's no animosity there, of course. You know, I love those guys like brothers, like I said in the last show. Um... He just cracks me up. Like, I don't know what it is um, with, with him and emailing me. <clears throat> but, um, yeah, just doesn't happen. So, anyway, um, it'll be kind of fun to listen back now to, hopefully, a radioactive metal show where Rock says, so snowy. Guess what Aaron said? But, anyway, you know. Um, <clears throat> anyway, a couple episodes ago, um, I talked about the iRig mic. That would have been episode 14. And the iRig mic is compatible with Android devices. Um, I wanted to check on that. And they've even got a uh, free voice recording. Well, no, I take that back. It's not free. It's $7.99 on the Android platform. Um, But iK Multimedia has that recorder platform out there. So it's really nice to see these guys that are doing great, great work on the iOS platform move over to another uh, mobile platform. And maybe we'll start to see a little bit more competition here. Um, Also here with the Iron... um, or the cast iron ring, rather. Focus on metal. If you haven't checked out that show, I've said before I'm way behind on my podcast. I think I've still got like five, six episodes to catch up to uh, focus on metal. But I finally got to finish the uh, second episode of the Double Live Pop Off episode they did. Um, fantastic interview with Martin Pop Off. You got to check those out. Uh, really good stuff here. We've got Weird Ways, who is new to the cast iron ring. Uh, check out Wiki Metal uh, from Brazil. Great, great interviews that they got going on there. And of course, you know, Mars Attacks Radio and everybody we got going on here on the Cast Iron Ring. So now, well, let's talk about Ezra. All right, so I sat down to talk to Ezra Furman here about, uh, well, about his creative process. And Signal to Noise, we're about the gear, we're about the sounds, those sort of things. But I also want to stress that we are all about the process. We are really, really, really about the process of how music is made. Um, and that's really what fascinates me. So I remember, you know, going into the interview, Ezra was a little hesitant um, because he's like, well, I'm not really a gearhead. I'm like, yeah, that's all right. I said, can we talk about, you know, how, how you wrote things? Can we talk about maybe some sound choices and things? And it, it is still, 
Um, a very interesting interview. I really enjoyed it, and I think you guys are going to get a kick out of it because you're going to find, as I found it, Ezra's a really talented guy. Really, really is, especially when you listen to the track here. So we're actually going to kick it off with the track Queen of Hearts. It's the search for a church in the bottom of your purse a spiritual home that you can take to the mall You dig and you dig but you can only find your wallet and your phone with a hundred missed calls You could never turn them on And I watch you with your purse from the adjacent coffee table at the Starbucks they built inside my heart your makeup starts to run You can see you're getting older You can see your life has been hard Your face is warm like an old playing card The Queen of Hearts The Queen of I don't need the internet, I don't need TV 
Put it into your cold metal shopping cart And keep on wandering the aisles On the sit for us and tiles will be miles and miles apart I've got my own search and I'm still just at the start I'll be out on the highways looking for my counterpart to Ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to welcome to the show Ezra Furman. So, Ezra, how are you doing today? Hi, hello. I'm doing, I'm doing well, ladies and gentlemen. Good, good. So, Ezra, um, for my listeners who are not familiar with you, can you give us a little bit of a background on your musical style? Well, um, I, uh, I'm probably the last person to ask. I feel like I don't even, I, I don't, uh, I don't know what it's like as well as people who listen to it know what it's like, but. Uh, I consider myself a, a a songwriter's songwriter, trying to both be a great songwriter and front the rock and roll band. You know, like uh, like uh, Buddy Holly did or Bruce Springsteen. Um, so I'm a solo artist. I used to be in a band called Ezra Furman and the Harpoons, which was a damn good band. And then we broke up because uh, you know. You know, my bandmates. You know, they want to have real lives outside of outside of being my my uh, backing band, I guess. Although, yeah. So, uh, I, I just recently formed this new rock and roll band, and uh, I'm coming. I'm coming. I don't know. I don't know. Um, I suppose what I do is play rock and roll music with a lyrical focus. I, I would certainly agree with that. You have quite a lyrical focus and just quite a landscape that you paint, not just with the lyrics, but with the music. Your album is one of a few albums that I've gotten recently. You used to hear this more, but now now you don't hear it as much, where the album is a work of art start to finish. Like, everything just kind of interconnects and flows together. Like, like, like it's a big painting. Well, thank you. Um, it was it was definitely conceived as a, as a, as a set, you know? Those songs belong together they were they were they were written together uh, yeah yes I've, I've, there's a single perspective to all all the songs on the album I don't know much about painting but <laughs> I just it sounds like a soundscape to me like when I, when I listen to it, it it sounds like you just sat down and were just painting like this, this soundscape of just the colors, the tones of the instruments, just it, it, it blew my mind w- with just how, how the arrangements were. So but let's talk about you as a musician. Like, what, What's your musical background? What instruments do you play? Where did you start? How, how, how did all this come about for you? Oh, I just, I just uh, heard, some, I heard my first like, punk rock music when I was 12, and this, uh, this was quite an important moment for me in some way. <laughs> and so I wanted to play guitar, and I, and um, the thing is, though, you know, my 
um, my parents were were my parents got me an acoustic guitar and they're like, listen, start with an acoustic guitar and play some like folk songs from the '60s that we like first. And you can <laughs> do what you want if you get good at it. And I was like, all right, I'll just check out some of this music to uh, appease them. And you know, I opened the musical doorway and started to listen to great songwriters such as Leonard Cohen and and Bob Dylan and and all those branch into into uh, all kinds of uh, musical worlds. And you know, I got a little education, became interested in being a good songwriter as as well as a um, as as well as someone who might capture some of the spirit of punk rock or or uh, nervous, angry, happy rock and roll. <laughs> um, so yeah, it, it, it's I I don't I'm not a person who thinks in terms of genres often because I kind of prickle at it, but. People say folk punk, and that seems about right because that's that is where I came from. From those two things, um, the first kind of first kinds of music I liked were punk and might say folk. I don't know. Again, those genres are hard to pin down. The album was actually this was sort of more meticulously constructed. Maybe that's what you're talking about with with the soundscape and the. I think you're right that the sounds were carefully chosen um it was actually i made the album piece by piece which i never did before i always you know played live all the musicians at least trying to play at the same time together and maybe fix some stuff later but this time it was just like we'll do one piece we'll add another piece you know so there's a it's like a russian doll there's like a innermost core we built it out into and thusly we could we could I don't know. I, I carefully chose every every part, every musical part, and what it sounded like. You worked on this album, and the album, just for our listeners that we're talking about, is The Year of No Returning. Was this entirely you solo? Like, did you do all the instruments? Did you have people come in to work with? Like, how how that come about? Like, what was the process there? The process was my band, uh, The Harpoons, broke up, and I decided I wanted to do a solo album. I was um, getting real into Harry Nelson. I don't know if you know Harry Nelson, but uh, yeah. um, he's a guy who he who's known for these, these these studio arrangements where he would sing all the harmonies um, and play all or most of the instruments a lot of the times on his records. Um, and so I wanted to make an album like that, um, and basically what I could do, I did. I mean, I could I I played all um, pretty much all the guitar parts, and I played some piano, and then when you know I'm I'm not a drummer, so when there were drummers on these tracks, we sure isn't on all of them, but uh, but uh, I, yeah, like if I needed an instrument that I felt like I couldn't play myself, I'd find somebody around Chicago, somebody friend of a friend, call them up, bring them in. And, uh, yeah, and, and, and just piece by piece. To the point that, like, we would we would start a song not knowing what else is going to be on it, but it's like, well, you know, we want drums on it. Let's bring, bring a drummer in, he'll play something, and then 
we'll see what else it needs. And layers were added on, and it's, it's, it was a really fun. It was like a kind of like a chemistry lab, um, kind of a way to make an album. As me and the guy recording it, just like, all right, like now it's this. We'll add this. Oh, now it's this. Um, we need something that moving. Add a shaker, you know. Now here, this part sounds empty. We need a uh, write a guitar part. So I make up some guitar part. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, very interesting. It's uh, music can be a lot like uh, a science, scientific. Uh, not that's they're still going on feel, you know. Yeah. But uh, <clears throat> but it, it was like mixing up a the witch's brew. I, I totally get that. I mean, like, good music to me is kind of like the chaos theory in motion. You change one little thing, other things change, you see how they interact and react with each other. You know, and that's what creates right. magic. But when you listen to, like, like, you know, going back and listening to the music your parents enjoyed in the 60s, that sort of stuff, are you listening to a lot of Beatles? Have the Beatles been an influence on you at all? Oh, yeah. Beatles have a big influence. I mean, the Beatles' influence is escapable. You're going to listen to music after their album came out, you're going to be listening to music that was influenced by them. I guess that is a good point. But that's like, because I listened to your record and I heard such a Beatles influence, and, and certainly not like a rip-off or anything like that, but I could, I could definitely hear where like Beatles-like arrangements and even, like there's um, track three, Lay in the Sun, um, mm-hmm. your voice and that, you have a very John Lennon-like expressiveness. Uh, like the way he would he would kind of enunciate words and things. And I'm listening to that, and like the first few times, they're like, man, why? What? It's reminding me of something, but I couldn't place it. And then it started hitting me. I'm like, you really sound a lot like John Lennon on that one. And again, it's not like a ripping off sort of thing, but it's definitely hearing an influence coming through. And it's like you took a sound and just completely brought it up to date. Like it's it's a very now record. It sounds great. Well, I mean, it's it's a. Uh... It's a spot-on thing, because John Lennon is probably my favorite singer ever. I mean, uh, part of why he's my favorite singer is probably that my my voice has some natural similarities to his. He just, you know, does what he does a lot better, in my opinion, than I do what I do. Um, but, you know, uh, yes, yes, that Beatles, I mean, that was a, yeah, a, a big Beatles influence. I became, over the course, actually, of being... Really, from the influence of uh, bass player in the in the Harpoons, the band I was before, um, I became like a sort of a Beatle fanatic, and I just had just kind of picked up all this trivia and heard all these alternate versions, and went down that road of kind of obsessive fandom. And that kind of study, it just like it seeps in, you know. You even if you're not a even if you, I mean, a lot, this album I was just kind of shooting from the hip in a lot of ways and yeah. not knowing what it would sound like, but that, but everything you hear and everything you study seeps in. It, it gets into the unconscious and comes out in what you, what you create. Um, now, how did you achieve such a big sound? Because even though, like, some of the songs start out really, really sparse, the whole album sounds big without sounding crowded or even like overbearing on my eardrums. Like it's a very pleasing record to listen to, but it just it sounds very huge and spacious. It was that a conscious effort the whole way through, or that kind of kind of come about maybe like in the mixing process? Like what happened there? I mean, that's that's really owed much more to Tim Sandusky, 
the uh, really the, the almost a full co-conspirator on all the details of this music on this album. He recorded it, and uh, um, whenever I was like, I want it to be like this, but I don't know how, and he would kind of know what what I was hoping for and know what to do. Um, he uh, He's a great engineer, a great mixing engineer, a great producer, and uh, he and I were both conscious that, like, a lot of these songs are kind of sparse. I mean, or, like, like there's songs that are just, that are guitar and drums and no bass, you know? Yeah. And when you're doing that kind of thing, it's not, the sound is not naturally filled out if you don't have the bass in there. But you can just, you know, you can... Uh, you can make the bassy parts of the guitar or the bassy parts of the drums sound as, as bassy as they can be, you know? And uh, um, it's not to be underestimated what can what can sound big. Uh, you know, or we had that song, like, Down. Um, it didn't seem like, like, a, like a bass was really going to do anything special. What would do something special like the piano and like a low piano to fill out the bass. And like that's, that's another way. It's kind of like a, a lab. You know, you want something to perform this function and it can be any number of things. Uh, but the, mis- the, the true mysteries of why things sound the way they do are sort of beyond me. Uh, <laughs> and why that record sounds big is like, I, it's owed to Tim Sandusky, recording engineer and producer, um, and his mad scientist uh, abilities. Yeah, I mean, those sounds are great, but the arrangements, I really like how you talk about where you kind of feel different things in the arrangements, because there's some songs where I really didn't notice any bass, but I didn't notice it missing either. And then there are a couple other songs where there'd be a very prominent upright bass, which and I yeah. love an upright bass. And I, I thought that was that was an interesting choice on your part, since so many people would jump for an electric. Yeah, there's actually no electric bass on the whole album, if I recall correctly. Um, and why that is, I don't know. Well, I guess I was kind of into the upright bass. I am into the upright bass. Um, I think it sounds special. Uh, I like how you can hear an upright bass. Another idea for this album was kind of to be able to to tell more, to be able to tell more or less what all the instruments were and yeah. hear them come in and like them be recognizable and have their own personality rather than a, a different way to make a record is just, you know, layer stuff on. You don't know what you're hearing, but it just adds to the thing adds to the build. But I I like the way we approach this record as like everything that plays has a part and you can hear it and tell what it is. And so I guess the upright bass sounds it it's more unmistakable, you know, you wouldn't usually wouldn't think it's something else. It sounds like an upright bass. Yeah, it it's got such a distinct character. Like so many people you'll play an electric bass and you can make that sound like anything else, but the upright has just such a distinctive voice to it. Yeah, I mean, it's maybe also from listening to Tom Waits 
Tom Waits uh, often has a a great upright bass player. I forget his name. I love Tom Waits. Yeah, I love Tom Waits. Great, great singer-songwriter there. The current album that's out right now, people can go get from Bar None, is The Year of No Returning. And then you have a new album coming out. That that actual release is July 16th. Oh, okay. Day this is being listened to, but uh, it's getting re-released July 16th, the year of no returning on Bar okay. Records. So we got a little bit before that comes out yet, right? Um, but it actually is already available on my website, EzraFerman.com, and it'll stay there. That's where it initially came out. Okay. But you know, sooner it'll be in on iTunes and uh, in various record stores if if record stores uh, aren't completely extinct by July 16th. <laughs> Hopefully not. Hopefully not. And then what can you tell us about the new record, Day of the Dog, coming out in September? Right. So, Day of the Dog. I'm trying, it's, it's really a sequel. It's like a one-two punch, kind of, with the year of no returning. Um, I like to do... <laughs> I like to do... I actually I try to do a record a year, um, and at least try and uh, get close to the pace that the Beatles put out albums. Um, the Day of the Dog, it's it's uh, where this where the Year of No Return was uh, depressive. Day of the Dog is manic. It's kind of uh, the yin yang of. Uh, of sort of <laughs> bipolar approach I have to my music. Um, you know, and and it's not so, it's, it wasn't so meticulously constructed. Um, after, after making that album, The Year of No Returning, I was like, well, I'm going to go on tour. I actually need a band, a steady band. So I formed a, Abandoned. They are. It's a really good band. Um, I call them the boyfriends. So, so the record is Day of the Dog by Ezra Furman, but you know, it's with with his band, the boyfriends. Um, and it's really a rock and roll affair um, with. Uh, a lot of saxophone. The saxophone was creeping in on that last album. And uh, on the new one, the saxophone is like almost a full-time member of the, of the band. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm going to... I'm going to... I'll show, show some songs off from it when it comes to Pittsburgh. Um, me and my drummer. But... uh what can I say? I, I guess it's like probably the things that are most val- valuable or uh, um, exciting about if there are uh, probably the things that are most valuable or exciting about me as a musician are on this record more so. It's it's really got the the mania of. Uh, of rock and roll. There's a lot of early rock and roll influence to it. And 
I actually think I get better at writing songs uh, steadily. Every album I've made, it's, I'm a better songwriter than before. Um, you know, I hope I'll keep getting better, but I feel like I hit a sort of a peak with this one. Right. <laughs> so what is a live show like then? Like, are you bringing a full band on tour with you? Is it just you and a couple guys? What's happening is this this little tour, this short tour in June, for the first time ever, I'm, I'm going to just go me and a drummer. Okay. Um, which, uh, which I've never done before, and we've been rehearsing and, like, having a blast because, uh, well, you know, things... Things can happen when there's only two people. There's only one person I have to um, communicate with musically. Oh, yeah. So, uh, so it, we're finding ourselves very freely moving between songs, and uh, I don't know. There's a there's a has unpredictability to it. I think we're not gonna. Well. We'll see about set list. I think it's going to pretty pretty loose. Whatever we feel like, we can probably switch to at the drop of a hat. Turn on a dime. So, yeah, a duo. Guitar and drums duo. Um, we're coming to Pittsburgh. And actually, the reason... I mean, I think I'll be back when the date... When the, newer album comes out, The Day of the Dog. I think I'll be back in Pittsburgh with the whole band. That is ultimately what I prefer. But, uh, you know, on this particular tour, money's tight, and that's also something I always wanted to try. Playing with, uh, just as a duo. That's going to be cool. That's going to be real, real cool. I'm definitely interested to see that. So you are coming through Pittsburgh on July 2nd, I believe. I just have that date up here. Let me double check. So July 2nd, you'll I be at the Howler's right, yeah. Coyote Cafe, Pittsburgh. And then you kick off tour in Chicago on June 15th, right? Right. Um, and that actually will be, that'll, that'll be a festival, and the band's pretty much in Chicago, so the band will be playing on that day. How cool. But, uh, but yeah, and... Uh, much of the tour, not the Pittsburgh date, but much of the tour is with uh, these bands, um, Ha Ha Tonka and Someone Still Loves You, Boris Yeltsin, with us as the opener, uh, and uh, it's gonna, yeah, it's going to be fun. Once they, they're like going back, I guess what they're doing is going around the Midwest and going back to the East Coast where they're from. Yeah, and uh, we'll join them on that leg of the tour. Then we'll go back to Chicago as the headliners, you know, in Pittsburgh and, and Cincinnati. Very, very Man, I'm, cool. I'm, exci- I'm excited just talking about it. Yeah, it sounds like to be a great show. Um, and I know, like, I love the record, so July 16th, um, the Day of No Returning is officially released by Bar None. It's available now at EzraFerman.com. And then right. September, we've got the new records. Right. It's uh, 
quite a quite a little summer and fall I've got planned. Yeah, you're gonna be busy. Well, hey Ezra, I'm gonna thank you for your time today.
All right. So that was my interview with Ezra. Um, again, I can't thank him enough for coming on the show. He's going to be coming through the Pittsburgh area, for those of you local, um, here in July. And he's he's touring all over the Midwest. So check out his website, EzraFerman.com. Tons of stuff going on there. Uh, the song that you just heard was the song that him and I talked about, or one of the songs that him and I talked about during the interview, um, called Lay in the Sun. It's the one that I had mentioned that really sounds like uh, the John Lennon vocals there. So guys, um, it's been great to do another episode with you here. And until next time, make some noise. <laughs>